0: Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Sceptical Podcast. I'm Nathan and joining me today is Craig. Good morning. And Susie. Hello. Uh, We have email and or feedback from Paul Ashton again. Uh, He says he's emailing my address because he can't find the email address on the website, which I have to check apparently. Uh, He's listened to episode 64 Hunters are a big part of the anti-1080 movement, he says, out of self-interest.
1: Sure, uh, they, guess, well, they don't want, they don't want um, their prey to be killed by means other than um, yeah. their bullets. Yes.
0: So they're not necessarily buying into the anti-science. Uh, and in episode 52, Susie has a lot of concerns about Zika. It would be interesting to get an update on what has happened with Zika since then. Susie, I apologize. I didn't prepare you for that in advance, <laughs> but what can That's you do okay.
2: for us? Uh, okay. So where are we at? Well, it's uh, essentially it's in like more than 70 countries around the world now. So it's what we essentially call um, endemic, which means it's basically established. And so the WHO's uh, kind of response has moved on from the kind of emergency response that it was to how do we distill this now, like other diseases that are kind of established. Um, so the evidence is built that it absolutely uh, is responsible for this um, thing known as congenital Zika virus syndrome. So the abnormalities that it causes in newborns um, when they're, who's, who get infected essentially when their mothers are in early pregnancy is kind of well established now. Um, Did that have something to
0: do with, with some sort of mega or something? Begins. There's all sorts of things, yeah. Else? Small
2: heads, small heads, small heads. But, thank you. Um, yes, all sorts of other things, and then it also can affect people, um, so they can get this kind of post-viral uh, effect that can that has all sorts of neurological um, issues and stuff, um, which doesn't seem that it, that doesn't seem to be a permanent thing. It's just something that happens and then it sort of goes away. Um, but yeah, there are apparently um, so there must be something like nearly. F- I think I read 40 vaccines or something that are, um, currently in the pipeline as, you know, potential candidates. Um, some of those have moved into clinical trials. Um, and so they're thinking it's going to be a couple of years before they know whether they're safe enough for, uh, basically women of childbearing age to be vaccinated. But, um, yeah, so it's a thing, um, if you are, Thinking of having children, and you go to a country where these are endemic, which for us is countries like Fiji and stuff. Then um, just bear in mind that try mm. and try and protect yourself from being bitten by mosquitoes.
0: <laughs> so this was a relatively new virus. Is that what happened? I'm trying to remember what the actual story was. No.
2: It, well, yes and no. So it had first <coughs> emerged in the fifties, uh, I think, forties or fifties, mm. um, in uh, in Uganda. And then essentially has changed since then. And it was, um, uh, it was sort of like a perfect storm of, um, having a massive outbreak in a country that doesn't have any, that, that basically there's no contraception. There's no, um, no terminations for pregnancies that are sort of not going right. Um, and, They'd had a, they'd like had a massive explosion of, so there'd been lots of rain and stuff, so they had this sort of massive explosion of mosquito numbers. So they had this really susceptible population that had that had a, that, that essentially got infected um, and then saw the impact of it. So even though there had been a an outbreak in Polynesia a few years before, um, that had sort of been you know if somebody wasn't if there was something wrong with the baby because a scan had shown that then people had essentially terminated pregnancies right so what we have was a country where that doesn't happen and so suddenly you see all the effects of it that we hadn't seen before if that makes sense um and so that's sort of how it how it appeared i guess so how it came to prominence um and then it was just the spread the spread has been um through various events that have allowed essentially infected people have gone been bitten by mosquitoes in particular countries and then that has got into the mosquito population and so has helped to move it so it's kind of an interesting story around human travel around climate change around social and political you know aspects of human behavior that has led to it sort of appearing hmm.
0: so with the introduction of the vaccine is there a chance that it can be eradicated and put sort of back to what it was relegated back to not not a, not an issue or
2: I think that what we are finding about humans and how they behave is that even if we had a vaccine
0: I even it as would I asked the question, eradicated. I it's it not
2: be eradicated it's a stupid right
0: question yeah <laughs> yeah
2: okay um, yeah
0: so it's, it's, and, and for it's, it's, it's for the time being
2: well but also you know the there's there's essentially now it's a bit like the thalidomide um generation essentially where there's now going to be a generation right. uh where you know where those countries that have it um are going to have to deal with the long term consequences of the children who were born with it right yeah yeah um and i mean in brazil that's that's a huge number of of people essentially um of a particular generation, so yeah interesting
0: okay hmm Thank you, Susie. That was very good. And I should point this out. And I don't want to overemphasize this, but Susie learned about this email, which I meant to forward to her early. The moment she sat down to join <laughs> us this morning for the for the Skype call, so she did all that research since then. Well done. Uh, <laughs> corrections. There is a correction, a pseudo correction, which I will we will get to during the pub talk. So there's a um, a teaser for you to wait around for that. Notice board, um, come to the conference if you want. Is that basically what we're saying there?
1: Sure. Yes, yeah, come to there. the conference. Yes.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a great conference from what I've heard. Well, and i point this out because this will be a huge draw. Barring some sort of financial emergency, I am almost certainly going to be there for the conference. <laughs> and we're going to try and do some sort of recording while we're there, maybe interview some of the speakers Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, I definitely think we should. Yes. Um, so we're also giving away um, some oh, yes. free tickets to students, so high school students, senior high school students, and university students. We've actually got a limited number of tickets on the site, so if you fall into one of those categories, you are welcome to attend for free, uh, and That's we'll the even whole give weekend. you the whole weekend. Yes, and we'll nice. even, we'll even feed you. So it's like so
0: the free ticket includes the dinner.
1: uh, No, no, no. The free ticket free ticket includes the attendance at the conference during the day. Gotcha, Um, and and so that and and so we feed you during the conference. Uh, Friday night we're running as a uh, free public event as the skeptics in the pub. So anybody is welcome to attend on the Friday night for free.
0: And you're advertising that on the skeptics. uh, Skeptics Facebook page, so people could could share that.
1: Indeed, yes.
0: Publicize it to you. Tell all your friends, even if you don't think they'd be interested in all of the things, and so forth.
1: Yes, well, this is a uh, a good opportunity to bring a friend along and introduce him to skepticism.
0: Yep. And there are day rates as well. If someone just wanted to come to, say, two or three of the lectures...
1: (laughs) yeah um so you can come for the day for eighty dollars cool but you can come for the whole weekend for hundred and sixty or hundred twenty dollars if you are a if you are unwaged indeed
0: fantastic okay cool oh wait um give us a couple of um of speakers about Speak profiles
2: so we've got um, Ian Bryce who's going to be talking about the Australian skeptics hundred thousand dollar challenge. Um, We're going to be talking about Tanifa. We've got um, some things around mass surveillance, um, um, methamphetamine testing, and um, extraterrestrial life. We can talk uh, all about that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, and fake news. Very, very, very topical at the moment. We're going to talk about fake news.
0: Fantastic. Now, just to um, prepare me so I'm not throwing off my... uh... Thrown off again. Um, is there going to be a speaker who is a woo talking no. about something they believe? Okay, good. <laughs> no, not that. Not that, that was a terrible thing, but I just didn't know about it in advance, and it was very confusing.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> not confusing. Were you were you unable to distinguish between uh, truth and fact? No, it's just um, this
0: guy got up on his, at his at his yeah uh, you know, the front of the room and started talking about stuff, and I was uh, looking around at people saying. This guy believes all of these things that he's saying. He's talking about conspiracy theories. What's why is he talking to skeptics? Anyway, yeah, um, that's fine.
1: No, so that's we we don't intend to have anybody like that there. Who although who knows who no, will turn up?
0: not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So, moving on to news. Uh, Bible museum. Five of their Dead Sea Scrolls are fake. Susie, I just saw this the other day. I wanted to talk about this one.
2: (laughs) I just I hadn't heard of this museum, um, which was apparently opened in 2007 by an evangelical Christian and billionaire, Steve Green. don't know who he is. He, Um,
0: they, the family, um, they're the ones – I'm going to get this wrong. I think is it the Hobby Lobby one? They're the people that own one of those companies that was involved – uh, in that sort of thing. I think it was Hobby Lobby. And if it is Hobby Lobby, they're the ones that were fighting against giving people um, access to birth control as part of um, healthcare because oh, the okay. because the company has, the, the corporation has, quote, sincerely held religious beliefs. And there was a whole court case, which I think came down on the side of Hobby Lobby.
1: Yes, he is the CEO of Hobby Lobby.
0: Thank you, and that was that was basically what that was all about. And they have a lot of money, and they opened up a museum, which is where you were.
2: Uh, so, what's Hobby Lobby?
0: Uh, it's is... a store in the US that uh, sells like crafty type items, Craig. Uh, okay. Because you're obviously on the internet already.
2: <laughs> okay. Anyway, so so this dude has opened a um, museum. Oh, I'm suddenly lost it. Um, and. Apparently, they've uh, done some analysis of their uh, fragments of what they believed were um, Dead Sea Scrolls that they have for display, and they have come back saying that they are have characteristics inconsistent with ancient origin.
0: Huh. So
2: huh. there are high probability that they're modern forgeries. Indeed. There you go. So it's kind of it's kind of neat though that they're um.
0: They're admitting it that they're
2: actually that they're that they sent them for testing. Um,
0: well, that's see, that what I understood was that they sent them for testing because some reporters said that these aren't real, and so the museum right. said, Well, we'll teach you, sent them off to be tested, <laughs> and then got the results back and said, Oh, actually, no, they're, they're not real. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but the, does the, that
2: mean? So they, it says, oh, it said sent five of its 16 fragments for analysis. So they haven't sent, the, Why? I wonder why they didn't send all of them. Maybe they sent the ones they thought were most likely to be.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> to either that or someone pointed at those ones and said these ones are clearly not fakes. Something like that, okay. I don't know.
2: Anyway, I do like the quote from the chief uh, curatorial officer. Hope the testing would render different results. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think actually, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think these guys, were, this museum was involved in a smuggling operation a few years oh, ago. Oh, that's
2: right. Yes. Um, they, they were, were um, smuggling
0: in artifacts from somewhere with maybe drug dealers involved. I don't in know. Rock. Yeah. They just yeah, said yeah. That,
2: they, um, that Hobby Lobby paid a $3 million fine and returned thousands of items after the U.S. Department of Justice accused it of smuggling artifacts from Iraq.
0: There you go.
1: Uh, what's interesting to me is the cost of the museum: five hundred million dollars. What to buy them or to get the tested? And- well, it's, it's just said no, it cost it- costing five hundred million dollars in New Zealand. the The museum was opened in twenty seventeen. Wow, that must yes. be a lavish museum. Five hundred looks- million dollars. Oh,
0: the museum cost five hundred million dollars. Yeah yeah i mean i don't know It's a large building a bunch of fa- artifacts and stuff
1: mm-hmm. i don't know how okay. much
0: it costs to build a building to be honest people <laughs> with so much money that they uh they don't know what to do with it literally Anyway. Sure. uh mm-hmm. moving okay. on i saw this headline too but i didn't look into it food supplement ruined my liver not your
2: liver. Are you just giving us stories to to read to look at and then you don't actually <coughs> read them at all? No, well, was this one
0: of my ones that do I, do? I posted,
1: was I asked if there were any of them mine. Well, so so well, anyway, so was, so, so what like, happened here yeah. was that there was this there was this guy in his 50s, a middle-aged man who decided that he needed to change his life and improve his diet and everything and and decided that um, taking this supplement would be a good idea. And um, it's actually had a bad effect. It's basically uh, killed his liver. Um, It was a a green green tea tea. supplement. Yes. Yeah. Um,
2: Supposed to aid weight loss, prevent cancer and do something for um, cardiovascular health or something. And that's what he was worried about because I think he said his dad had died of a heart attack. And so, Mm. The get fit and do the stuff, and essentially, he he was pretty he was pretty well. He was like he was active and um yeah. And now he's basically not. And obviously, he's not to have a transplant. He has to have another one at some point, possibly. Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: www dot what's the harm dot com dot org dot net.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Indeed. Yeah. So um so what's your take on antioxidants, Susie?
2: Uh oh, the so yes, oxidants are things that are damaging. They're made by all the you know, many of the cells of our body, our immune system uses them to fight bacteria and various things. So the idea then is that if you use antioxidants, which will stop these things, then they can stop the oxidants from causing damage and you can certainly see this when you put them in you know petri dishes type things but whether something will have an effect inside the body is another matter entirely hmm. um, and the you know many of these antioxidants are also important for things like our immune system so, so i i've always hated this um this kind of range of supplements because it's I guess like all supplements, right? It's based on an idea that has some merit. Yeah. But you never know whether it will actually like unless you do the proper studies, which of course most of <clears> these <throat> people never do. You never know whether it actually work. And what they're saying with this one is that, um so it may well be that the the main component in the green tea is something that's generally safe if you take it at a certain dose, but it's unclear whether they were taking much more than that dose, you know. Which
1: sure, which is probably probable when you concentrate them into tablets exactly. or whatever.
2: And there'll also there will be people who are. I, mean, I guess the other thing is that these are not. Um, they they don't they, they don't just have one particular thing in them, right? If you're taking a green tea supplement, it's likely made of green tea, which may well have the. that's the antioxidant, but it'll have a whole bunch of other stuff. And I guess some people will be more vulnerable to those other things or even the active ingredient Mm. than others.
1: Yes, Um, indeed. They're not regulated. No.
2: So um, they just have to be made in an environment where they're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be putting bacteria or molds or anything into them. Or heavy metals. Or or heavy metals. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I just hate all this stuff. And it's kind of really sad that these cases don't get enough, um, enough of a, uh, well, I, I guess what he's fighting for is that they need, there needs to be a, something on the label that says that these things could actually be really dangerous mm. and it's unclear whether that's actually going to happen. Um, because nobody seems to take yeah. this really seriously, you know, the, so apparently he's basically suing the company, um, because he wants a label, on the product, on the website. Did
0: we say where this
2: happened already? It's in the US.
0: Oh, in the US, of course, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, they, unless they're forced to, right, the mm. companies are not going to do it. Um, yeah. And everybody still seems to think they're natural, therefore they're, you know, not dangerous. That's not true.
1: Mm. Yeah. Indeed, and, and there's certainly something to be said for um, the opinion that that the the body itself is is regulating the levels of antioxidants versus oxidants in in your in your bloodstream and whatever inside of you that um, that taking these additional things is not necessarily going to help.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, again, it's unclear. Like, do they get into the bloodstream? Are they useful in the bloodstream? (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. You have to do the studies to find out. Yeah.
0: (coughs) Yeah, okay. In which case,
2: it's a really good um, time to plug the um, snake oil, uh, beautiful infographic from Information is Beautiful, We'll put a link up to that. I must have talked about that before. We talked about it
0: last time, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just be- it's great. You know, go and have yeah. if there's if there's a supplement in it that you're particularly interested in, go and find it, and because it will link yeah. to the evidence. Evidence, if mm, right? It. Indeed.
0: And where is the green tea? Whatever on that?
2: Uh I haven't actually looked where the green tea is on that. Sorry, I don't know. I'll
0: leave that as an exercise for the reader. <laughs>
2: Actually, this is good because I've got some homework for our for our listeners too. But I'll come to okay.
0: that later. Oh, exciting. So, everyone done with that one? Moving on to the next thing. Ireland votes to oust blasphemy laws. Law, laws, laws. Blasphemy law.
2: Indeed. Susie. Yeah.
0: I didn't uh, realize that the vote had happened already. This yeah, is good it news. Yeah, just
2: a few days ago. So,
1: just before you go into this, yeah. I saw a thing on Facebook this morning about Ireland um, voting to end abortion, and I thought it was something that just right. happened. But apparently, somebody else has told me that though this happened several months ago, yeah,
2: so probably. I'm not sure
1: why I was confused about that. Um, I, anyway. I saw
2: that pop up today as well, but I, and I remember it being an old story. So, right, yeah, yeah. This is um, so yes, they've been voting this weekend for a whole variety of things. Uh, one of which was um, essentially a. How do people feel about um, the blasphemy law? And so according to the exit polls, uh, more than two-thirds of voters have uh, supported a referendum to remove blasphemy from their constitution. Yeah. Which
1: is pretty cool. um, So this
0: this is a vote to have the referendum, not the actual vote itself. Yeah. So this doesn't actually do anything yet. Yeah. But it indicates a... Uh, a very strong opinion amongst voters, which is good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, especially because um, a few years ago, if you remember, the Irish police yeah. basically investigated Stephen Fry for some comments that he'd made on uh, in a TV interview about God being mean-minded and an utter maniac. Um,
0: and capricious.
2: Yeah, they basically yeah. dropped the case, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which There's is interesting
0: because it probably would have do, right? It probably would have been more beneficial for if they had actually uh, chased, what's the word? Carried well, on. Pursued it. Pursued, that's yeah. what I'm looking for, thank you. Pursued Pursued it to the courts and have it actually set a precedent that this is a stupid law and you can't prosecute anyone. But I suppose either way, getting rid of it is probably more,
2: mm.
0: more definite and final, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's good. Good to know. Well, the comment down the bottom of this article is just great. It's uh, Nugent, whoever Nugent is. Probably not Ted Nugent. Whoever the article is talking about, his name is something Nugent. The population... Michael. Thank you. Chairperson oh, of... I, kno- I know that name from somewhere.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, he's a politician or something?
2: No, um... he's chairperson of Atheist Island.
0: Ah, that'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> the population has moved on. People are no longer controlled by the Catholic Church but a lot of the laws that were put in place are still there, he added. We have to chip away at them and get the state to catch up with the people. Which just pretty much sums up the case just about everywhere, really. Indeed. Cool, good news. And students... Oh, bad news. Students are missing out on science. Is this a New Zealand thing?
1: Yeah, so... Um, There was an article, uh, I think on Friday, in Stuff, um, talking about um, a woman who's started up a thing called um, House of Science. Um, Her name is Chris Dugan. Or Duggan, I'm not sure how how do you pronounce that? D u g g a n. I suppose Duggan. I suppose yes, Chris 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 Duggan. Um, So she uh, was, I think, a former former primary school teacher, and she has started this uh, not for profit organisation called House of Science, which is basically giving out science kits to primary schools. Um, It would seem that uh, primary schools were not particularly well resourced for teaching science, and so sort of giving out these kits uh, gives them some resources that they can uh, use to promote science in the classroom, which is a good thing, I think. It is so uh, like I have a
0: fantastic thing. What I'm interested in is the fact they use the, that action you've just described. They use the word infiltrate. It's a program which infiltrate, I, yeah, you can. Carry on.
2: Well, I have a conflict of interest to declare. Go ah, go on. Go on. <laughs> so... I am basically their ambassador. oh, nice. so they I, I don't quite know what that means either. Um, <laughs> but they're an amazing little charity. and so the way these kits work is they basically have a it's a box that they've developed different boxes with different for different themes, um and the box is filled with everything a teacher will need to do some experiments and then the kind of instruction manual yep. for what experiments to do. And they essentially go out to the class, the teacher. The teacher can then just use everything in the box and then at the end of the week send the box back. Oh, okay. And then the house of science refill it and then send it off to the next school. Do any of those experiments um, so...
0: involve glowing bacteria?
2: <laughs> Not yet. <Okay. laughs> um, so, they, yeah, they have a whole bunch of different ones. And, um, and they're what they're worried about is the fact that you know, many, that science is something that's kind of considered too hard that it, because it might require some things that are, that the school doesn't have the resources for, the school won't invest in it. And so this just sort of makes everything really easy by saying, you know, even if you don't have any experience, all the instructions you need are here for, you know, where they've troubleshooted everything. And then it has everything you need yeah. to do mm. whatever the experiments are in that particular box. Oh, that's
0: clever.
2: Very cool. yeah, so I they like the idea. To- yeah. They started in Tauranga and they're now kind of, Kind of branching out and moving all around the country, um, and it's really cool. And yeah, mm. they're just as she says they're sort of trying to infiltrate, get kids interested. Because the other thing that happens in primary school, certainly that I noticed this with um, with Eve was that if they do science, it's often like just only something to do with the environment, and there's there's nothing else. And so these you know they've got kits on magnetism and kits on all sorts of things, and so it's trying to show that science is not just go out and count spiders
1: or something when i think back to my primary school days i can remember that the science things that we did were sort of special occasion things mm. that it wasn't sort of built into the curriculum and this is obviously um 40 years ago for me now yeah. Yeah. or more um but yeah it's it i remember at the time that i was fascinated by it and um yeah, would have liked to have had more of it. So
0: yeah, I mean, on one hand, this is kind of a, a nice feel-good story that a, this organisation is getting in there and, and putting these resources into place. But on the other hand, I think we need to point out that they shouldn't have to do this. Why isn't science education being funded properly?
1: Mm.
2: Well, I think it's not about that. It's not about what whether it's being funded properly. It's about it's about the fact that. Um, Teachers and schools have to decide what they're going to spend their resources right. on, and that will often depend maybe on what the comfort levels, experience of the teachers mm. are, and how much things will cost to do, and so they will make decisions on that basis. And I guess what we're seeing is that often science is left out bec- for other because people don't all. feel confident yeah. doing yeah. it. Yeah, for other yeah. Although I'd
0: argue that it's one of the.
2: And so they're just trying. If
0: one of the factors they have to consider is how much it costs, then that seems like a funding problem to me, or a problem that could be fixed with with funding.
1: Hmm. But maybe it's a confidence yeah, thing yeah. too, I'll, I'll in think. that without having something prepared, um, it's probably it's harder to teach than um, perhaps some other yeah. subjects that that teachers perhaps have more experience. Well, then in, that I don't sounds
0: know. like an education. Well, problem, it is, right? It? I mean, they need better training. Mm.
2: (laughs) Hmm. Well, it's hard for primary school teachers, right? Who are not specialists. They have to teach everything. No, they have to teach everything. Train them everything, and pay them more. (laughs) (laughs) Are they going to be striking soon about pay?
1: Probably they are. Yes. Well, Nathan, you just wave your magic wand over it, and you can solve all the problems.
2: I mean. (laughs)
0: uh okay i think we're going to skip the next one and move on to the next one after that
1: (laughs) (laughs) i see what you did there nathan so um yeah
0: exercise is bad for you i think that was a summary moving on
1: no (laughs) no i suggested you should talk about this nathan but a a recent study has um so that the um, yeah, so we're talking about the effects of exercise and on um, the benefits of exercise. And there was a previ- previous um, previously understood concept that uh, too much exercise might actually have a negative effect, and there might be this sort of U-shaped curve that um, if you don't do any exercise, that's bad for you, Nathan. Um, and then obviously there are some huge benefits if you do do some exercise, but if you exercise obsessively, uh, and and that might well have a, a limiting effect on your uh, longevity. But apparently they did a study and shown this is actually not the case. That obviously there's diminishing returns for the more exercise you do, um, but it would seem from the study that there isn't actually a negative effect of doing a huge amount of exercise.
2: Again, can yep. I just say, I'm not convinced by this study at all. Okay. Um, only with Susie. in that, <laughs> but not for the same reasons that Nathan will, be, uh, will disagree with it. <sighs> only in that, so it's a cohort study. They looked at 120,000 patients who had been um, doing uh, exercise treadmill testing. So basically to, as a measure of their cardio vascular fitness i guess mm-hmm. and then they basically looked at them and to see whether they you know did could you look at their fitness and then see like who died years <laughs> later yeah uh and and i and i'm not sure that's a big enough study i mean it's, it's basically just testing one thing of fitness i'm not sure they actually had like really elite athletes in this so i don't know whether they whether they're Study group would have actually captured
1: the mm, possibly elite not
2: elite athletes. That well, the the elite a,
1: the elite athletes are always going to be a very minor percentage of the population anyway, aren't okay. they? Okay,
0: here's here's an argument though.
1: Even, by definition of elite, <laughs>
0: even if they did include the elite athletes, how do they know that doing even more exercise than that isn't harmful? Well I can test is what? the limit. All they can test for is the amount of exercise that people actually do. So they cannot say that if you do more exercise than that, that that is not harmful. It could still be a U-shape, but we're not testing that end of the U. Yeah,
1: this is true. Huh? This is true, Nathan. But I think <laughs> you should start doing some exercise anyway, Nathan.
0: Well, I have been doing a
1: little bit more exercise it's very, over okay,
2: the Okay, let me oh, just, just say, bit. just... Let me stop. Okay. okay. So there is definitely a lower bound where if you don't do anything.
0: <laughs> Look, well, we're we're deliberately trying to not focus on that part of the of the graph. All right.
2: <laughs> Let's just talk about what's important:
0: the upper the upper bounds, and is it dangerous? And also, before I'm just we... saying
2: it's not good to me that this study actually could answer that. Uh-huh. Um... So before we hmm. move
0: on, as well, I just want to point out some more uh, fascinating phraseology. Uh, while the life-saving effects of exercise did start to taper off, with elite athletes only being slightly more death-proof than merely highly active people. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I well, like and that they one. only followed them. They only followed them for like ten years. Ah, uh, so see.
0: Uh, no. I, again, no I, terrible, terrible study. I
2: wonder whether you'd have to. That's <laughs> a terrible study. I just. I don't think it quite...
1: You can't draw the conclusion that yeah, they've drawn. I don't exactly. think so.
0: Okay. All I'm asking is for infinite length of time and infinite levels <laughs> of fitness and activity.
2: Right.
1: Yep. Okay. Because
2: they're, they're basically... So they, what they're trying to do, is say, you know is to look at exercise and long-term mortality, they're calling it. And I'm not sure that 10 years you could really consider that long-term mortality. And it kind of depends how old the people were when they started.
1: When they started,
0: yeah. having said all that, there's absolutely nothing stopping people now from jumping on this preliminary study and selling some sort of woo-quack product based on the results. I don't know what that would look like or how it would work. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Here's
1: an elite training program for you to uh, take on. Yeah, sure.
2: Um, it looks I don't like think that they had sell the, well. They were about 50. So this would be sort of 50 to 60. Oh,
1: Yeah, average age of being 53. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: I also want to point out as well that if someone um, did try and sell me that, jumping into an elite training program would definitely kill me.
1: <laughs> 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 Indeed. Right. <laughs> okay.
0: We'll be happy with that. Okay. So sure. no interview. Pub talk. So this probably won't be a very...
1: Oh, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. I
0: see. I Sorry, We've, I moved myself down be, below the break, and I, I made a mistake. That was my fault. So the next news item is study finds that not only are vaginal jade eggs useless jumps around on the page because someone keeps moving it, <clears throat> that not yeah, <laughs> not only are vaginal jade eggs useless, they're not even an ancient remedy. Susie.
2: Indeed. <laughs> Fantastic. So for those of you who remember, um, this is related to uh, Dr. Jen um, uh, Gunter, who has been um, having a go at Gwyneth Paltrow um, for her anti-science stuff for ages. And so Jen is a uh, kind of uh, Alps and gyny kind of person. She knows all about vaginas and various things. And so she got quite... Uh, alarmed when she saw goops um jade eggs that you basically pop inside your vagina and they're supposed to do all sorts of things help you connect with your womanly things I don't know but the, all sorts of claims used to be made for them um, again with the with the uh the little thing that you know this is an ancient an ancient um uh treatment so oh, I just i what I love about this is they scienced it. So Jen has collaborated with, um, a, uh, we call them anthropologist and they've basically gone through a whole bunch of museum kind of collections to look, to see if they could find any jade eggs in, uh, in Chinese (laughs) ancient Chinese, uh, collections. And what they found, they they looked at over five thousand jade objects in those databases.
0: <laughs>
1: they found a
2: jade butt plug, uh which is apparently used to keep someone's chi in. Sure, the yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They found a quite, jade uh,
2: Fabergé egg. <laughs> but they didn't find a single vaginal jade egg. Um they also looked for uh the so these things are known as yoni eggs they can be made from other things besides jade so they look for those as well and they basically didn't find anything so they're not ancient at least by this uh this study um as well as being kind of dangerous because you know all sorts of horrible things can grow on them and cause nasty infections so yeah they've just published their paper i love this and i and i think we should have more collaborations between um archaeologists anthropologists and uh and medical health people to look at some of these ancient claims because, you know, from what they're finding, the evidence of it being ancient is just a marketing ploy. It's got nothing to do with it. Well, more than that, I mean,
0: it's not just a marketing ploy. It's a lie. They're saying this is an ancient remedy. It's neither ancient nor is it a remedy. (laughs) It's pretty pretty cut and dry (laughs) to me. Indeed. I don't know how they actually (laughs) phrase it on the website, but, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Indeed,
2: good
0: job. Go. Okay, can Great. I move on now to the next thing? Cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say, did you guys see the photo of the rectangular ice?
0: I saw that briefly in my newsfeed, but I didn't look at it at the time. I was in the middle of something else. Is it making weird yeah. noises right? as well? Is it the same thing? No, it's oh, a different thing.
1: Oh well, no, I don't don't think it okay. is. But yeah, no, it's just that. Um, um um phil um phil plate has um weighed in on it and yeah so there were the these photos going around of this iceberg that looked rectangular and um when you actually look at some more photos of it it looks a lot less re- rectangular than it actually okay, is so it's a perspective um, thing yeah it is it's actually trapezoid <laughs> and um one of one of the photos uh, when you see it Actually, it basically looks like a badly hacked out piece of um, um, jib board. I would have thought um, doesn't look very rectangular at all. But uh, yeah, no, it, it is interesting to to see these different perspectives on it. Um, so uh, yeah, obviously people have been making um, allusions to uh, um, Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah. the monolith and, and so on.
2: It's pretty cool.
1: It is pretty cool, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is basically sort of a big flat, um, mm-hmm. rectangularish kind of thing floating in the sea. Mm. Um, but it reminds me back of the Kaimanima Wall from back in the nineties, where there's this um, um, piece of rock um, in the in the Chimanima Ranges that is uh, fairly straight for quite a section of it and um and there were claims at the time that this was actually an ancient artifact um versus something natural but it's actually been shown to actually just be natural
0: okay cool so anyway yes let's move on so this might not be a very long pub talk um so during last week's episode last month's episode we talked about – I made the joke about 1080p, and it was hilarious.
1: Yes. And what I said
0: was, effectively, um, that – I don't know why people would be complaining. Oh, I understand why people are complaining about 1080p, because 4K is so much better. Uh, I got a a message (laughs) from a friend of mine who also listens to the show sometimes. He said, whilst I appreciate the 1080 versus 4K joke, I feel I might need to intervene if you think that 4K is better than 1080. Uh, My response was, it's by definition, objectively better with a confused face, Uh, unless you somehow don't equate Hmm. higher resolution with increased quality or have a different definition of better. So this is an issue that I had not realized, I had not heard of this before, Um, what my friend is saying is that although it is indeed of course a higher resolution there is a distance beyond which the higher definition is not worth it and there's a chart here and uh, I would say my TV is a 50 or 50 something inch TV and if I sit further than What is that? Three feet?
1: You Um, want to share the chart,
0: Nathan? But I'll put a link to that as well so people can go and have a look. So if you scroll down that page, there's a chart with a bunch of different colors and a radiating sort of optimal distance versus television size. Mm. So it's 50-inch TV at about, or anything less than about four feet away from that TV. It's not worth it to have... A oh, sorry, no, uh, six feet. We're going the other way. Anything past about further than about six feet, anything closer, yeah, anything further than six feet, it's not worth it to upgrade your 1080p TV to a 4K TV. Uh, now I actually went and got a tape measure because I'm that sort of person, and I where I sit to watch my TV is just slightly past the point at which. It should technically make a difference. However, I still argued that I felt like a 4K picture or a 4K movie looked better to me on my TV than a 1080p video or a 1080p picture.
1: Well, hang on, but have have you got a 4K TV, Nathan?
0: Yes, I have. I have a. Oh right, okay.
1: And what size is it?
0: Uh, As I was saying, it's a 50, 50, or a 55. Okay. That's why I was using that as my example. So, right, and- Have so- you done
2: it blinded, though? Well, well, obviously not blinded, blinded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you done well, it that's the th- no know.
0: One of the first things I asked Bryn was, can you give me a an online double-blind video slash picture test? Um, and I had a bit of a search for that myself, and I couldn't find anything which was set up specifically to do it as a double-blind. I did find some YouTube videos, where it would play a video game or a movie in 4K and then in 1080p. Um, but it listed down the bottom which one was which. And it was always one, then the other, and one, then the other in the same order. So even mm. if you covered it up, it was it was a bit. Um, I still felt with those those videos, I felt I could tell the difference. There was definitely a clear difference between the two. I suppose the question with it was, is it a brightness question? Or is it a an increased resolution? And I I'm pretty sure I'll put a link to some of those if I can find them again. Um, there were some like street signs in the distance. Now on the 4K picture, I felt that that street sign was clearer and crisper with straighter lines than than the 1080p. And Bren also sent me a test image that they use. Oh, one of Bren's comments earlier on in the conversation was. Uh, when I told him I can tell on my TV, which is a 50-something inch, and Brent said, "Oh look, the placebo effect works on you," <laughs> which sure. Um, so he he gives me a he gave me a static test image that they use, and what it is, it's a bunch of parallel and vertical lines in different colors, and what you're supposed to be able to do is on a 4K TV you can distinguish the gaps between those lines. And right. on a 1080p TV, you cannot distinguish the gaps between those lines. And I'm going. But precisely. presumably,
1: if you move further away, then you... yes,
0: precisely. So if you get right up close in front of the screen, you can definitely see the gap between the lines. And I'm willing to admit here that where I was sitting to watch my TV, I couldn't actually tell that there were gaps between the lines. But I did feel like the 4K one seemed crisper than the 1080p <laughs> one. Again, of course, which is completely subjective. Um, so at the end of the conversation, basically, we uh, we came to, the, to an agreement. I think I agreed that there is, of course, a distance. We're further away. It doesn't make any dis- distance. That seems pretty clear. Um, and Brins mm-hmm. admitted that... It was a long discussion. Hang on. Um, he conceded concedes that on its own, 4K is technically better than 1080p. Uh, He also said a 4K TV is seldom better at what it does than a 1080. That is to say that it is one way better in a way that for most people goes unused, like paying more for an off-road vehicle that you only intend to drive on the road. Um, Mm. He also said, just to round that out, um, at one point, my notes. Uh, as a professional TV service technician, I feel like an astronaut talking astronaut talking to a flat earther right now.
1: Which <laughs> a that's a bit pejorative, Nathan, <laughs> isn't it?
0: Rude. <laughs> Sad, sir, sir, thank you very much. Um, but yes, okay. So <laughs> thoughts? Anyone else?
1: Question? Well, so so I think that if you're in the market for a new TV and you've got the budget for it, then you probably, you're probably going to find that the budget models these days are going to be just the 1080p ones, whereas the the ones that have the premium features are actually likely correlated with the 4K resolution as well. Um,
0: Having said that, though, Bryn is a TV technician, and one of the thing he, things he did say was that the 4K TVs are not, usually better at everything else than the 1080p tvs so Mm. that's usually the only thing that's better but also i also don't feel like my tv was overly expensive either i bought it on special um i think in december of 2016 oh it was the it was the boxing day sales online and i think i paid about a thousand dollars Right. Which I don't feel like is an excessive amount to pay for a TV. You could probably get a 1080p or a cheaper TV for what, 500, 600 bucks or something like that. Yeah. So
1: there's a, there's a huge range yeah. of um, prices for what on the surface seems to be similar specs. So if you just say, okay, I want a 55-inch 1080p TV, you can actually pay a really huge range of prices, and it's not just the Uh, those those sort of high level specs it's all the other things like um what sort of how does it is it it, are there backlights for the leds or um how what sort of contrast are you going to get out of the tv and 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 all that sort of thing And, and also things like audio quality and um and i suppose what sort of smart tv features there are in it although presumably those are sort of a fairly low portion of the cost but um, that doesn't necessarily translate into the, the end price, um, but yeah, no, it is interesting. But um, I have been sort of thinking about um, upgrading one of my TVs at the moment, but um, one yeah, of your TVs, yeah. mm. just, just the one, <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, so we have, we have two rooms where we watch TV, they both have identical TVs, but one of them we actually sit. A bit closer to but the room that we sort of generally use for sort of formal
0: for, for, for TV watching, watching of
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah formal, that's not an oxymoron but of, of things like when we want to sit down and formally yeah. relax to um sort of take in something that we sort or of plan rather than green. casually watching stuff that, that, then we're actually sitting a little bit further away from the tv and so i'm actually thinking that um, the 55 inch they have at the moment would be much better if it was a 65 yeah. inch. Um, <laughs> I think the, I've been thinking about. If anything, anyway. the
0: takeaway is: if you're sitting further away from your TV, then you don't need to upgrade to 4K. If you're relatively sure, but what I'm saying monitor, is, then 4K can be a difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is that the 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 Overall features that you get in the TV are sort of correlated with um, with the, the resolution as well. In that, if you if you want a TV with lots of good features, it, it generally seems to be that you're going to get 4K at the same time as those features, versus being able to buy one with the same sort of level of features yeah. that's only 1080p. I think Bryn
0: disagrees with you, but if you if that's been your experience, then so be it. Uh, and also, just just thinking mm. that if you want to buy a TV, you want to get one that's as future-proof as possible as well. And particularly where TVs these days are all smart TVs and are getting software updates, um, a newer TV is going to be more likely to be a 4K TV than it is a 1080p TV. So a 4K TV mm. might be more future-proof as well. I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, I think you're right. Okay. i'm just going to stop you, both you now bored?
2: because uh, thank you i think that's that's enough talk about tvs and what we've learned is that um it's very hard to test these without uh you know placebo effects and all these kinds of things sure i guess
0: you're welcome thank you, thank you. <laughs> so moving on apparently yeah. is what we're doing um... now Who <laughs> <To> woo zealand <laughs> Uh, ghosts in the Paranormal in New Zealand, Fair Flair, Craig.
1: Yeah, so um, just a quick one, really. Uh, there's a group on Facebook that I belong to just, just to keep an eye on what people are talking about. It's called um, Ghosts in the Paranormal in New Zealand. And um, and it is a little amusing, the sort of things that people post on there that seems to be filled with true believers. But um, somebody recently posted a photo um, of somebody at a beach and the sun was in the background. And so when they took the photo, there was a green blob in their photo, and uh, they sort of pointed out and said, what is this orb? And um, and so I said, well, actually, it's lens flare, and that's sort of a characteristic of, of cheap lenses that you you or true. even expensive lenses. If you have the have the sun shining directly into them, you're going to get some, um, some lens flare, and that quite often manifests itself as sort of... Um, different colour blobs along a particular a line and um, so yes, I, I commented that it was lens flare and they replied and said oh good, thanks for telling me and so they actually accepted that explanation rather than so that, um, saying no, it's definitely yeah. a ghost <laughs> or an orb or whatever. So Did not
0: spark a discussion with other people jumping in and saying no, that's definitely a ghost?
1: Huh. No, no, but um, who knows? Who knows what people private but Well, I mean
0: it's Facebook. Yeah. There is no privately thinking. If they thought it, they'd have posted it. Surely.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, yes. So I nice. thought that was good.
0: Good job. Hey, um, were you on the radio recently, or are you coming up? Is that coming up?
1: Um, scheduled to be on it like tomorrow morning.
0: Oh, there we are. Well, no one's going to get this by then. Check out the archive. No,
1: sure. Okay. You're, you're, not gonna, you're not going to You're um, not going to edit it by then, Nathan.
0: I have a rehearsal today and also a Magic Club meeting, so I'm not going to get anything done today.
1: Priorities?
0: Maybe not tomorrow. Uh, Next New Zealand item, Jesus for New Zealand. So, and a counter-protest. Oh, this is the prayers in Parliament or something?
1: Yeah, it's to do with um, the removal of the reference to uh, Jesus from the... Opening prayer of Parliament, and apparently this was um, removed um, unilaterally by Trevor Mallard, the Speaker. Yeah. Um, and and so um, all the people who are keen on Jesus are up in arms about this, and so they're well, going to have some, a protest.
0: Some of the people that are keen on, you know, well, on Jesus, okay,
1: yeah, yeah, okay, hyperbole, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so on the uh, October the thirtieth, which is going to be. Um, the day that this podcast is released, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is going to be a protest um, at midday in the parliament grounds. Um, and, and so there's a there's a dedicated website for this. It's called Jesus4NZ.org. Um, and so they're trying to... Trying to get all these people to go along, they're they're comparing this to a protest that happened back in 1972, where there were a little, literally tens of thousands of people that turned up at Parliament. Uh, but I think that uh, I think the world has moved on from there. Trenching
0: it to get a thousand people, probably.
1: Yes. So the um, I think the New Zealand Humanists have organised a counter protest. Uh, where they're going along to suggest that um, that the prayers in parliament should actually reference all these other deities like um, the flying spaghetti monster and um, and so on. Yes, um, yes, Yoda <laughs> and so on. So just interestingly. So if you want to turn up for that, that would be a good thing.
0: My es- my <laughs> estimate of a thousand people on this Facebook event, there are three hundred and forty two going. 723
1: right. interested. Okay. Not that that okay. is
0: relevant in any way, but carry on. I just thought I was...
1: So it seems oh. like there'll be um, a few hundred people yeah, there at most. Maybe, maybe 500, 400, 500. just see. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So on that um, Jesus4NZ.org page, there is actually a photo of the, um, of the historic protest back in the 1970s. And uh, yes, it does look quite... Like there were a, a huge number of people there. So just and I think you, they want they're wanting to replicate that, but I think it's highly unlikely. Did you say
0: what the protests in the seventies was about and I just wasn't listening?
1: Uh no. No, I did uh, not. Nathan. What was it about? And um, thanks for asking, but i I had to have Be a problem. look on the page don't, 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 to see don't, don't, what don't it time. was. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Dunno. Don't know. Um,
0: something religious probably.
1: Um, it was, t- yeah, flashback, 27,000 people, mar- yeah, so they're saying 27,000 people back in 1972. Organizer Gordon Copeland uh, was hoping a few hundred people would turn out to march for Jesus on October day in 1972. Um, the march is to be part of the Jesus movement, a phenomena which swept its way across the world in the late 1960s and early 1970s and eventually found its way to New Zealand. That um, doesn't really tell me anything. Doesn't okay. say what it's actually about. Um, Jesus, and yay. they actually Yeah, yay for Jesus. They actually have a um oh no, actually it links to an article in stuff. Um Yeah, so I'd need to I'd need to read that in detail. Okay, never mind. I can't tell you about it. We'll now.
0: follow up on that on a future episode. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Okay, right. cool. So check that out. Sign up for the um, for the counter protest. I'd love to see. Oh no, there's only only like forty people on that one. Actually, hang on, hang on. Interested? Boom. Forty one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, your priority is to make it to the conference, not to any protests about Jesus that's, in Wellington.
0: That's fair. Okay. Oh look, suggested events: New Zealand Skeptics Conference 2018. And board awesome. and games by the bay, same weekend mm-hmm. in Auckland. Anyway, Yes.
1: Yeah. Nathan, if you come up to Auckland ah. and stay at my place, you're not allowed to go to the board games event.
0: Okay, okay, but I'm bringing <laughs> board games with me, and I'm going to make you guys play some. Oh, god. Dentists warn of epidemic of tooth decay as more non-fluoride toothpastes launch. Oh my god. <sighs>
2: so um eco store have also now launched some uh non-fluoride toothpaste to join red seal and uh other um products and yeah the uh the i guess the slightly worrying thing is that the um there's been free samples of it uh, of all of these uh products kind of going out to my food bag customers and you know, there's all these sort of celebrity influences on social media sort of talking about them. And so dentists have come up to say that, um, you know, this is a real worry and we're going to see this essentially epidemic of tooth decay um, because people are presumably moving away wow. from fluoride-containing uh, toothpaste. And so, yeah, they are naturally right. So this is
0: even worse. Good. In um, some places, they don't have fluoride in the water and by some places i mean new fucking plymouth so at least most people in new plymouth are using fluoride yeah. toothpaste.
2: Yeah. so i guess one of the things about these non-fluoride toothpastes is they've been around for a really long time but they haven't really been mainstream and like they're really going mainstream now uh, and i think that's the concern is that uh, you know these companies say well you know they're wanting to offer customers um, other options for people who don't want I don't know, want chemicals in my toothpaste things and it's like oh my god
0: so interesting no. uh related yeah when I realized that there wasn't fluoride in the water here I went straight to the supermarket to try and buy some mouthwash because uh, I figured
1: you know you know you can actually buy fluoride tablets
0: oh I hadn't thought of that yeah,
1: no, good call. Mm, I'll look into that. Um, when I was when I was a child in Napier, um, like a supplement, my them. yeah, my mother used to give us fluoride tablets every day.
0: Oh, that's a good idea.
1: So mm. anyway,
0: I went looking for mouthwash, and I went to the supermarket. I picked up a couple of different bottles of mouthwash, and of all the selection that was there, only one had fluoride in it. All of the other ones said in big, bold letters, wow. no fluoride or fluoride-free. And worse than that is I went to, it was, whether it was Countdown or Pack and Save, I don't know, but one of them doesn't stock the fluoride version. They only have the fluoride-free mouthwashes. Yeah, so that's weird. So what I end up oh. doing is when I run out of mouthwash, I go and do what. Half my shopping at one supermarket and I got half my shopping at the other supermarket. It'll be well, you, Pack and Save that doesn't hmm. have it because I usually go to Pack and Save because they're slightly cheaper.
1: Well, you can buy fluoride tablets online.
0: Well, fantastic. I want to make a bookmark of that now so I don't forget to do it later.
1: Hmm. Having strong health and healthy teeth, a desire every patient has for their children.
0: Ha! I dispute that statement. Clearly, not everyone Hmm. is concerned about healthy teeth. Um, Cool. Okay. Well, bad news, I guess. So, is that all the Woo Zealand? So, Susie's Suspicious Supplements. (laughs) Uh,
2: So, uh, we'll put a link to a really quite fantastic little video that uh, I saw on um, Twitter about a up and coming um food and beauty supplement uh and it is activated charcoal so
0: is in taking it internally
2: well not necessarily taking it in all sorts okay. of ways so the in this video the prediction is that it's going to be like a six billion dollar market i think within the next few years um huh. people uh so if you don't know what activated charcoal is It's basically burnt wood, but that has been burnt at a very, very high temperature. So it breaks down to a really fine powder Yeah, and that gives it a very large surface area, which is why it has one very particular use, um, which is to be given to people who've essentially been poisoned or taken an overdose um, because this, uh, these little particles that have really high surface area because they're full of pores basically sort of suck in um, when it's in your gut, they kind of suck in stuff. So, if you've taken an overdose of drugs or something, then they can basically absorb all these things and try and prevent them from getting into your bloodstream.
0: It's also used for yeah, filters absolutely. as well. Mm. Traditionally, it's been
1: yes. a. So thing and, and, and smell absorbing yeah. things.
2: Yeah. So, it has a really, um, it has a very clear use in medicine, but in other things. But uh, it has entered, it seems, the, uh, the supplement industry where now they're saying you should brush your teeth with it, um, add it to your drinks to, uh, you know, to have it as a supplement, um, even uh, potentially as a hangover cure. So this whole idea that it can absorb stuff,
0: wow.
2: uh, the no, suggestion it's is it's that you just awesome. take it yeah no
0: that's yeah, not how you that can works. take it
2: to absorb anything in <laughs> any mean, particular context could you so... take it no but no uh,
0: no okay sorry yeah
2: so there are apparently hangover tablets take it in the morning we've got a hangover it'll absorb everything which of course it won't No, because it's
0: already in the bloodstream
2: yeah the bloodstream. yes exactly uh anyway um so yeah <laughs> don't bother yeah Kind of, um, and you know the important thing about this absorbing capabilities is it absorbs all sorts of things. So um, it can you know it can absorb stuff that you actually need. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Can be things like constipation and diarrhea, all sorts of things. Well, so, both. Um, it there's yeah exactly. Nice. There's no evidence that it can do the things that people are claiming it can do. Um, don't put it in your in your tea or in your lemonade. Uh, It's pretty gross. Anyway, so I'll I'll put a link to that video, but um, there you go. Activated charcoal. Had not thought of that as a health supplement at all. Oh, my goodness. People just never cease to... One of
0: these um, these replies to the original tweet. What is it? Twitter? Um, You know what it is awesome for? Odor absorption. I have an activated charcoal seat pad for my office, and none of my farts (laughs) smell when they pass through it. It is amazing. True, not a joke.
2: Yes. Actually,
1: I think you can get underwear like that. Can't well, you? I
2: remember reading a paper about this about whether you could use it on planes. Oh yeah. There was somebody who basically said Put it in all the airplane seats sheets should be yeah. made out of this because yeah. you're more likely to fart at higher altitudes yes, or something.
0: That seems fair. <laughs> so there you go guys. Odor absorption, medical purposes in hospitals only and don't take stupid fucking supplements that are obviously not good for you.
1: Hmm. Speaking of um, videos worth watching, did you see the video that uh, David Attenborough did of the uh, uh, migration of the sceptic as the introduction to QED in Manchester? Oh, no. Oh, okay. That's definitely worth watching. So they actually, um, as the introduction to their conference, the... Uh, QED conference, the Skeptics conference in Manchester recently. Um, they got David Attenborough to make one, uh, make a video about talking about skeptics, and it's very, very good, very entertaining,
0: hmm.
1: worth watching. Okay, we'll put a link to it in, notes, it in the show notes. the agenda
0: Nathan. right now, it'll end up in the show notes automatically. Sure. So actually, something else that just occurred to me we could have talked about is um, two people on my friends list have just posted a link to a new, what looks like a new type of uh, cryptocurrency, which is a shame that you saw that one. A shame oh we yeah, didn't I've look seen into that that too. Because we could have done some research and uh, been quite, what's the word I'm looking for? Timely? On point?
1: Yes. Well, so it, it is making some fairly um, interesting claims um, about its future And uh, talking about how if you sign up now, you could be uh, in line for receiving $130,000 worth of value or something like that. But anyway. Yeah, what
0: it seems to be from from what I've seen of the two uh, posts is if you sign up now, you get in effectively at the ground floor. And the amount that your shares or whatever are worth goes down every day. So the sooner that you get in, the more valuable your coins or the more coins you get or something like yeah. that i have not seen anything so far that have convinced me that's in any way any different from any other cryptocurrency assuming that's what it is
1: sure but you'll be it's kicking yourself if you well. didn't get in at the start no. nathan
0: yeah no i don't think i will be to be honest um <laughs> uh, yeah okay I, uh oh this stuff someone's just i've got, additive, got a, new I've stuff got a in bonus there. experiment oh Go, Susie. So I have a
2: bonus experiment that I need our listeners to help us with. So I saw
0: Is it activated charcoal no, related?
2: It's, it's completely unrelated. Okay. Um, I saw this video on Facebook where somebody has shown the way that you can tell the difference between fake honey and real honey. And so the idea is
0: Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 What's whoa, fake whoa, whoa, whoa. Honey?
2: What the fuck is fake honey? Adulterated honey, basically. Honey that's that's oh. essentially <sighs> made with by adding, you know, other stuff to it. And so what they suggest is that you put a a dollop of honey and a bit of water in a bowl and then you basically swirl it around. And you'll get certain patterns uh, formed in the fake honey. But on the real honey, guess what kind of pattern forms on the honey?
0: (gasps) A hexagon? Yes,
2: it looks like a... Oh,
0: no, really? (laughs)
2: Oh,
0: come on. (laughs) I was thinking some sort of fractal or so, something, but okay. It's
2: kind of hilarious. Did
0: you look at the video and check, check,
2: Craig? Check no, Craig.
1: I didn't. I just jumped oh, okay. to that conclusion, but I yeah. thought that, so that this is would be just a...
2: because um, of the the DNA memory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> memory and the honey of, of where it originated from, right? So okay. Sure. I I to, so you want, I want people
0: to
2: do, people this experiment. do this experiment? I want you to uh, basically get some honey and do this. I want you to change the type of container that you do it in do a, you know record it let's see what shapes the honey makes um
1: but we might all have fake honey oh,
2: hang on hang on hang on. Ooh.
0: hang on what so it doesn't it doesn't like you don't swish it around and then put it down and then suddenly there's a hexagon in the middle you just swish it around and while it's swishing around they start oh, then then to form
2: yeah so then you
0: yeah. oh okay It makes a honeycomb thing.
2: yeah apparently so <laughs> oh
0: okay weird
2: uh yeah, so do the experiment so, for us. Huh. Um, try some honeys and show us what patterns you can make. What I'm really interested in is does the pattern change with the type of container that you use? So if you can record that too. Right. And then let yeah. us know on Facebook. Okay.
1: So it's it's an uh, artifact of the of the wave pattern, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. And you want to know the brand and model of the honey use in each instance and things like that?
2: Uh, yep. Yeah. We can put a, um. maybe we could put up a, a Google sheet that people can put all that information and a link to their little video. But let yep. us know on Facebook how you got on.
0: Do you want to make that and send me a link?
2: Yeah, I'll do that.
1: So cool. um, I wonder if you would get the same effect from golden syrup.
2: Ooh, oh, nice yeah. one to try. Yeah, Other sort of viscous liquids. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Mm. Maple syrup and yep. molasses and that
1: sort Malasses, of thing. Molasses, yeah. Yep.
2: Perfect. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. Okay, so the most important part of the show, <laughs> word of the day. I gave you an easy one last week, and so this week I'm going to make a difficult one. There it is. The word is macromancy.
1: <sighs> well, mancy, mancy is about uh,
2: determining on, Hang on, anything. hang on, hang on, hang on.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I didn't roll the dice <sighs> to see who Sorry. gets to go
2: first. Okay. Do
0: it. That was Craig's sorry, actually. You don't know why you're apologizing.
2: Okay.
0: Craig is odd, and it's an odd number for some reason. So Craig gets to go again first anyway. Sorry. It's a pretty fair die.
1: <laughs> Macromancy. Well, mancy is the suffix for um, divining things, like necromancy, that sort of thing. But macro, I mean, is... See to me macro if I have a macro lens it means I can see things that are very, very small and get them in focus. Um, so maybe maybe it's uh, divining by looking at thing looking at patterns and things through the, in the very close up or through a microscope or something like that.
0: Okay. That would Definition. be my guess. Patterns close up. Is that close enough to yes. what you
1: said?
0: Susie, yeah. you want to give us the right answer?
2: <laughs> um Uh, I was going to say something around uh, large objects. Um, But what about large objects? So is divination right? Is that really what Mancy means?
1: Well, I'm not going to help you out. (laughs) We're in a competitive situation here. This is a competition. He is right.
2: Okay. I'm going to say... I'm going to say it definitely has something to do with large objects. Um, and, yeah, okay, I'll go for the divination by large objects.
0: Okay. That was a good so choice. So we're polar opposites. <laughs> yep. It was, a, it was a good choice because the definition is divination using large objects. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I should guess... get half a
1: point for the divination.
0: No, you don't get a half a point for the divination. Everyone knows what Nancy is. zero (laughs) for
1: craig Uh,
0: i am being
1: too generous with
0: you guys i think recently i think next time is going to be an actual hard one
1: so how does this work macromancy how how does divination with large
0: objects (laughs) work that is a very good question a question which i will answer right now in a second as Mm -hmm. i gather my thoughts Ah, there's some. There's a mod for Skyrim called Macromancy. God damn it! There's an Urban Dictionary. You want to hear the Urban Dictionary version? A mac. <laughs> this is
1: lucky to be right as anything.
0: A Macromancer is one who can conjure McDonald's seemingly out of thin air. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, I guess it's any sort of divination that involves any sort of large objects. could be buildings, I guess, mountains. That would be macromancy. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, Craig, because divination doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter if it's a large thing or if it's cats' (laughs) intestines. It still makes the same amount of sense.
1: Sure, but but at least with... Doing something like reading tea leaves, the tea leaves patterns actually change. Whereas if you're talking about large objects, then like things like mountains, then presumably they don't actually change for you to be able to say that, oh, today, here's the future uh-huh. based upon looking at the mountains. I don't
0: know. Oh, here we go. There's a slightly
1: different definition here divination by studying the largest
0: object in the area. And I have to say that the mountain that I can see out of my kitchen window. Does change, from my point of view.
1: Okay.
0: Sometimes there's more snow. Sure. Sometimes there's less snow. Yeah. That's the main thing that changes. I don't know. I don't look at it that much, to be honest. Yeah, I can't find anything other than the uh, the definitions I already had, so I can't tell you exactly what it is. Point for me then. You do. You get a point. Well done. Congratulations. Next week is going to be really hard. Craig, do you want to close us out with the quote?
1: Okay, so this uh, (gasps) quote is from Nichelle Nichols. Yay. You know who she is?
0: I know who Nichelle Nichols is, but tell the original. Susie, do you know
1: who Nichelle Nichelle Nichols is?
2: Is she the lady from Star Trek? (laughs) Yes,
0: the woman from Star Trek.
1: Lieutenant Uhura. Yes, she says, science is not a boy's game, it's not a girl's game, it's everyone's game. It's about where we are and where we're going. Space travel benefits us here on Earth, and we ain't stopped yet. There's more exploration to come.
0: Well done. Nice. Good quote. All right, thanks for coming, everyone. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Sceptical Podcast. If you'd like to send us suggestions or feedback, send us a message on Facebook, or our website, thecusp.org.nz.